Did you overpromise to the American public what you could achieve in your first year in office? The answer is yes. I think it's extremely realistic to say to people, President Biden didn't get anything done. I have to make clear to the American people, we're not going to get stuff done. So I'm just going to be a roadblock for the next two years. Okay, I believe you'll see that uh, there'll be severe economic consequences. I, I, I make no bones about that. It's going to be difficult. How can I say this? Uh, it's going to be very hard. Um, it's going to be hard, but it's going to be hard. Um, like I said, it's going to be hard. The fact is that I don't know many things. Um, and so I think the, be the most important thing to do is try prescription drugs. Because the, let me back up. Um, but let's put it in perspective. Number two. No, I don't think so. Number one. Uh, five? Um, I'm sorry. This, the fundamental question is, what's more? How can I? Uh, three? I, I go back to number one. Um, ten? Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, number one. With regard to um, one, um, one-third. You're listening to Questionable Material with Jack and Brian, a mostly improvised podcast produced in New York by Jack Helmuth and Brian Sack. QMPodcast.com Ladders. Hi, I was wondering if you carry any um, ladders? Yes, all your Ascension needs can be handled by my company, Ladders Inc. Ladders Inc. That's amazing that you got that company name and uh, I assume website domain. Uh, well, the company name I got, the the website was a little harder to come by. So we, we don't have LaddersInc.com, unfortunately. Oh, that's a shame. What's your website so I can um, you know visit you online? Uh, I mean, it's a little, you have a pen? Yeah, of course. I'm ready. Uh, climb up on metalsticks.com. Okay. <laughs> Is that all that's left in the domain business these days? You know, when they, when they first came out in the, in the early nineties and, you know, it, it was going to cost me $240 to register ladder.com and <laughs> cars.com and sex.com. And I said, that's outrageously expensive. And so I just didn't go for it. Do I have regrets? I do. Sure. Because you'd be rich and wouldn't be running a ladder company. A wholesale ladder company. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's even, it's even sadder. Earlier on the phone call, you mentioned uh, all my Ascension needs. Mm -hmm. Now I just need to get up to the, my second story of my house just to clean the gutters. But what other sort of Ascension needs uh, are you finding these days? Well, uh, we have a wide range of customers who come to us for various ascension and descension needs. Not everybody who has a ladder is going up. I'll tell you that. Some people are going down into wells, uh, into makeshift graves, into pools they're constructing, into sinkholes to get their child out if he fell down the sinkhole. I mean, there's a variety of reasons you'd go down on a ladder, but just as many reasons why you'd go up on a ladder. Let's say you have an apple tree. There's an apple you see, you'd really like it and you can't reach it. So what do you do? I, I mean, just pray for a wind. I get, oh, wait, you get a ladder. Exactly. You get a ladder and you, you rest that ladder against the tree. Uh, you might want to get on your roof. Like you said, you want to do. 
Uh, you might want to scale a wall. Let's say there's someone on the other side of that wall. You need to get to them. You've been tasked by your godfather uh, with taking them out, with whacking them. You, you know, you can't get over a wall without a ladder. I know this. Yeah. So um, what sort of deals do you have on ladders? Because it, it seems like, I don't know, you just get a metal ladder. What's really the difference? Well, you have different heights. I mean, you don't want to over ladder. Okay. You want a ladder just right. You want to make sure your ladder is appropriate to the task at hand. So you said you're trying to reach a second story window. Yes. Uh, well, no, I'm just trying to, it's a two story house. I'm just trying to get to the gutters. Okay. So you're going to want something that, that expands to 16 to 20 feet. Don't you think? I would say so. Yes. Okay. So if you bought a three foot ladder, you're out, you're out of luck. You're going to come home with that three foot ladder. You're going to be so excited. You're going to rest it against the wall and realize it's not getting you anywhere. You might uh, be able to reach a windowsill on the first floor. I can guarantee you, you're not getting to the second floor. Even if you're a tall man, you need the right size ladder. And that's why I'm here to get you the appropriately sized ladder at the right price. And it's a wholesale price because I deal in bulk. Well, clearly you really know your stuff. I mean, I wouldn't have even thought of any of these scenarios. It's really impressive. So yes. what's your, you know, how do you get your supply? I mean, if you're dealing in bulk, um, you know, what's the story of your business? Uh, we source our ladders from a variety of vendors around the world. We try to be sustainable. Uh, we don't uh, make ladders out of ivory anymore. <laughs> we don't do our ivory ladders anymore. We do sustainable. Uh, we can do wood ladders. Aluminum is sustainable if you recycle all your Coke cans. Right. You know, they can make ladders out of old Coke cans. It's mm, a good idea, actually. Climbing up a ladder and you're looking and you're seeing, oh, there's a little Coke can there. And that looks like Orangina. And that, that might be a tab. Fresca. <laughs> kind of a sad look into someone's life there. What, um, so when you, when you buy bulk, I mean, you know, what sort of inventory are you sitting on? Because I would, I would love to go ahead and make a purchase, but I only need the one ladder. They're sold by the climber's dozen. <laughs> I don't know what a climber's dozen is. I'm not in the industry. It's 13 ladders. Why do they call it a climber's dozen? Because uh, it's like a baker's dozen, but it's for people who have ascension or descension on their mind. What's the extra one for? For whatever reason, in the ladder community, 13 is a good luck number. Oh. What, what are some other sort of um, uh, superstitions and stuff that you have in the laddering community? Well, uh, there is a belief that if you stack enough ladders end on end, you can climb up to heaven and yell at God. As a man who has bulk ladders, is that something you've tried and did it work? What I can tell you is that, you know, when you have 30 ladders that are, you know, end to end, uh, it, it gets really hinky. Sure. It's a little wiggly. Yep. We had these ladders end to end and, and um, okay. 30 ladders end to end gets you quite high. Yeah. And Lewis uh, was determined to climb that ladder and get to heaven and yell at God. Oh, cool. Um, he climbed the ladder. The ladder is not designed, at, at, when you have 30 end to end, it's not designed to ho hold Lewis's weight. Uh, he was a little bit, I would say, pleasantly plump. <laughs> and while he survived COVID when he got it, uh, he did not survive the 30 ladder fall. That's a shame. Because 30 times 20 foot is 600 feet. Yeah. Uh, that's something that I, neither you nor I could really survive. So I'm not no. blaming Lewis. Mm -hmm. 
I'm just explaining why Lewis is no longer with us and hopefully in heaven yelling at God. Although I, I can't, I don't know. Because I, I, I would think normally someone in the laddering business would sort of know that heaven is probably not 600 feet up in the air. That's probably just, um, you know, even planes don't fly that low. It is what it is. <laughs> you know, all I know is, is Lewis has his chance mm -hmm. to, to do what he has to do which was yelling at God for some reason. I don't personally feel the need to do that. Right. Not angry. Yep. Don't need it. Business is good. We're selling ladders. That's great. Oh, it's, it's, they always say that ladders is recession proof. Ladder, everybody needs to go up and everybody needs to go down. Yep. That's a fact of life. Just as, just like you need the food, you need shelter, you need underwear. Yep. And you need the ability to climb or descend. Yep. And and that's why I'm here. Well, you know, you're, you're doing great work. So, um, what, uh, so I would love, um, you know, I, I guess probably a 16 foot ladder for my house. Um, what sort of deal can I get? I, we don't have any 16 foot ladders at the moment. <laughs> why don't you have just the standard ladder? Well, here's the problem. I have a warehouse filled with 16 foot ladders. Great. But they're up on a shelf that's 20 feet tall. <laughs> Hey, Brian. <laughs> oh, you're so consistently normal. Uh, what's that? What's new in your life? What's going on uh, over in Sackland? Oh, Jackaroo. Uh, well, I had a guest. Who? My friend was coming in from out of town. He owns some property. Okay. And he's selling it. Okay. To a famous actor. Oh, wow. It's near his property. And so he wants more property so he can meander about the woods and not be bothered by, by paparazzi and other riffraff. So he, this, this actor is famous enough that the paparazzi would care about him. So it's not just like, you know, Hey, it's that guy who's been in things, you know, like some, you know, the, some mediocre guy on lost or whatever. No, it's not like, it's not mediocre guy on lost. It's not Skeet Ulrich. <laughs> Crispin Glover. <laughs> Take some guesses. Okay. I'm going to say, um, uh, what about James Bond, Daniel Craig? Yes. How'd you know? Uh, you mentioned it earlier this morning when we were talked about what time oh, we're going to record Did I really? Today. Damn it. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm such an idiot. Oh, come on. Okay. Well, stupid me. Martin Luther King Day is, is probably the biggest holiday of the year for your family. Isn't that right? Yes. You know, how, how do you guys, you know, celebrate? I know it's sort of as a, as a 24 hour, you know, all in type of sack family experience on, on MLK day. Well, I mean, you have MLK Eve. Okay. For, oh, right. Okay. So it's always a Sunday night. Yes. And we'll put on this, our, our satellite channel to the you know, MLK classics, <laughs> uh, which just plays the, you know, the, the standard music you, you hear on MLK Eve. Yeah. Which, okay. And we like, gather the kids around, do the traditional dinner. MLK Eve dinner. The MLK Eve dinner. Uh-huh. There are 10 dishes. <laughs> um, and basically in tribute to Martin Luther King's 10 fingers. <laughs> so there's one dish per finger that Martin Luther King had. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know a lot of kids don't, you know, maybe don't get to learn that these days in school, but he did. The man did. He had 10 fingers. Uh, and so, you know, and each dish represents 
you know, just a different thing you like. Um, Can you give me an example? Because there are lots of things that I like. Well, like one was a bowl of gooseberries. <laughs> okay. What, we're representing what? Eyeballs. <laughs> because you like eyeballs? The gooseberries are shaped like eyeballs. Okay. And they rep- and eyeballs represent sight and foresight. And that's what Martin Luther King had. He had foresight. Wow. Now that m- makes a hell of a lot of sense. And then there's, I have a cream pie. Ooh. T- tell us what that is. I know what a foodie you are. It's a whipped cream inside pie crust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just empty the can into whipped cream. It's easy to put together. Uh-huh. And it's light and fluffy. <laughs> okay. And then right before that, I remember you telling me that you usually stand up and, and, and give a sort of a, a speech of your own. I mean, you basically, you have it and you just say, I have a cream pie. And then you take a scoop out of it and you eat it. And, and you just keep eating it and talking. And people kind of make what they will from what you're saying. Oh. People put the words in your mouth. It's kind of, they hear what they want to hear. It's like modern art. That's really cool. That's really great. There's a ground beef okay. sauce and you put it on a roll mm-hmm. and that's the, I am a man, witch. <laughs> so there's that. That sounds great. God, is yeah. man, which still a thing. Uh, it is in my world. Sure. <laughs> uh, okay, great. And then, you know, we have tea. Okay. Uh, and it's James Earl Grey. Oh man. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, boy, you're, you're really all in, in this. I, you know, it's, it's a, it is a big, a big holiday. You know, after you eat dinner, uh, the idea is you get the kids to bed as soon as possible. Okay. To wrap presents or something. No, it's just to give you more time to go out and, and meet up with your mistresses <laughs> and then be back in time for the, the morning celebrations. Right. Any other sort of last fun little traditions? Tradition is you get in the car in the morning. Okay. Oh. With a letter you need to mail. Uh-huh. And you go to the post office and you realize that it's closed. <laughs> and so you, you drive back to your house and you're, well, let me check the stock market, see how that's doing. Yep. <laughs> and you see the market's closed. Yeah. And you're like, you know, well, by golly. Well, I mean, at least I'll go renew my license plate <laughs> at the DMV. <laughs> So basically the day is spent realizing that all the businesses you need are closed for the day. That's sweet. That's a nice way to celebrate. Yeah. And your family's there with you to celebrate because the schools are closed. (laughs) That's right. So it is nice. It's a a gathering. Well, Brian, you know, well, it sounds like uh, a a wonderful series of traditions and a wonderful way to celebrate. I'm, you know, happy Martin Luther King Day uh, uh, to you and to yours. Happy Martin. Well, now it's late, but yes, I hope you had a happy Martin Luther King Day. Thanks. I mean, we, we don't observe it in my family, but that's all right. Oh. You celebrate Strom Thurmond Day? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brian, I, I wanted to talk to you about a, a story I saw in the news lately because I believe you have a connection to it. Um, so apparently recently in Tacoma, Washington, uh, a high school named Stadium High School. 
which already strikes me as funny because <laughs> if it's called Stadium High School, you know, like it was like some sort of Indian name or some sort of offensive person that they had to strip the thing and they just called it Stadium High School. That's just a guess, but it's called Stadium High School in Tacoma, Washington. They should have um, done what the Redskins did and just called it high school. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. That That's 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 basically what they did. I think they just saw, they looked around and the first thing they saw was their like their lacrosse stadium. And they're like, well, let's just do that. That's good. That's good enough. I mean, so yeah, it's not, the town's not called stadium. It just happens to be. Well, it says one high, it's a, that it's in Tacoma, Washington. So Tacoma, it's very Washington. strange. Stadium. Okay. Yeah. Principal of, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing this article, principal of stadium high school. Oh my gosh. Right. It's so terrible. Um, but anyway, the, um, uh, this, this school was in the news because they recently had a very special, uh, high school, uh, graduate, uh, a 97 year old man finally got his, uh, high school diploma. Well, you know, 50th time is the charm. <laughs> now his name is, uh, Ernie Rita, R-E-D-A. Uh, and, 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 uh, you know, I, I know you're on the um, board of education there in Tacoma, mm -hmm. so you you probably know a lot about Ernie and and his journey. Uh, is that right? I do. Yes, Ernie Rita and his journey. Yes. No, it's well, it's really great. So I was wondering if you could tell us. Um, you know, that's uh, that's a little bit old. Um, yeah. To be in high school, so I was wondering if you could just sort of tell us a little bit about, um, you know, his his senior year at high school, being a 97 year old man, and and what that was um what that was like for him. Well, he was, what happened was, uh, he was in high school. He was mm -hmm. a junior. He was on the graduating track and then world war II happened. Yep. And that's exactly he, right. He got uh, called, he joined the service. Yep. And so he, and he went abroad and he got distracted. Things happened. He, he actually, he was, uh, he was very good at, at wearing a drag. What? And yeah, he would wear drag and he would lure uh, Nazi officers into the woods. Uh, and then he would seduce them and then he would beat them over the head with a log. <laughs> but what, why, why seduce them if you've already tricked them into going into the woods with you? He just, he was very thorough at what he did. You know, he worked for the OSS, which is the precursor to the CIA. Okay. And he, uh, he did a job. He dressed up. Uh, he went by, his name was Veronica Boop. <laughs> and he would sweet talk these German soldiers and officers in particular were his, his preference and okay. uh, lure them, lure them into the woods. Sure. And as soon as they were feeling, uh, you know, as soon as they weren't really paying attention, maybe when they're in the throes of an orgasm or uh, just looking away or busy unbuckling their big German belt buckles. He would strike with a, a log, a rock, whatever it took, stiletto heel in the eye. <laughs> and he would dispatch these, these Nazis. And by Nazi, I mean people you disagree with. <laughs> oh, wait, so these weren't actual Nazis? No. These were people with whom he had a disagreement. <laughs> so he went overseas, got into arguments, and then seduced people in the woods and murdered them? Yeah, because they were Nazis. 
No, Brian, that's not that's not what an actual Nazi is. You should look at it. Nazis were an actual group of people who are pretty horrendous. Well, it also means anybody who disagrees with you on any matter. Yeah, I don't. Uh, that's I think that's a newer uh, definition of the word. Like there was a gentleman, a German gentleman, and he believed that uh, wood barbecues were better than gas. Right. Nazi. <laughs> Seduce and clonk. First of all, he's right. Secondly, that's just, that's not even political. I mean, th- this guy isn't an American hero. He's, he's a, a international murderer. Well, he was good at what he did. And the problem was then life happened. It always bothered him that he didn't have that high school degree. Right. And he kept wanting to go back. But of course, he, you know, he's married. He wanted, he had four kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, he helped them and, you know, helped put them through school and sure. uh, they worked for his drag dressing company. And then finally uh, he said, you know, when his kids went off and he was looking around, he's like, listen, I, I want that degree. I want to finish this, my high school that was interrupted by Hitler, literally. Yep. Yes. And the Japanese one. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Ernie really does need to finish his education. He really does. And so Ernie uh, went back to his school in uh, Stadium, Stadium it's, High yeah. School. Stadium High School, absolutely. How was uh, how was Ernie received by his um, his fellow high school students? Well, um, you know, he made them laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was because he, uh, unbeknownst to him, he was constantly passing wind, <laughs> which is just one of the features of being a ninety seven year old. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, you don't know you're doing it. You don't hear mm-hmm. it when you do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, you know, it, it, it livened up the class. You know, the teacher would, would be talking, uh, you know, on the blackboard, writing an equation. And then suddenly uh, Ernie would, would break wind and everyone would giggle. And, and, you know, he'd look around and see all these people giggling. He'd be like, oh, and he'd giggle too. <laughs> and then he'd point to the lady mm-hmm. writing on the blackboard and then just ask her who she was. <laughs> I see. What was Ernie like uh, in gym class, for example? Well, you know, at that age, you're not as competitive. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was the 100 meter relay. Uh-huh. He dressed up like a, an attractive older woman <laughs> and lured the track star behind the gymnasium. Uh-huh. <laughs> Clonked him over the head. <laughs> wow! And so that's how he how he won that's his how high he school won. races. Yep. Eesh. So he was actually a star athlete. Man, by the way, it sounds like he could be a swimmer at the University of Pennsylvania. Uh that's. I mean, he's talking about colleges, and that's one thing he wants to do. He thinks he might have a chance. Yeah, fighting women. <laughs> Um, okay. So very good. And then, uh, you know, I, I know there was a little bit of an incident, um, with prom, you know, can you sort of walk us through what happened there? Yeah. Well, you know, he, they, they wanted him to go to the prom. Mm-hmm. Sweet. He wanted to have a prom date. Mm-hmm. Of course. So he asked his wife, Oh, but his wife wasn't really there. <laughs> you mean mentally or not in the house? She died, no, she had died several years earlier. <laughs> so he thought he was at the prom with his wife. Okay. <laughs> and it was charming, but sad. 
Sure. Uh, he was dancing out there and he was under the impression he was holding his wife. Oh, man. But it was a broom. <laughs> but one of the kids had drawn a face on the broom sandal. And so oh, that's nice. It was a sweet gesture. Brian, you know, thank you so much for um, for sharing you know, the story of Ernie, a real, I mean, I was going to say American hero, but um, I'll just say American. Hey, Brian, I, you know, you're a real tried and true New Yorker, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'm pretty New Yorkish. Yeah, I mean, you're, I, you know, I know you're spending more time upstate. Um, you know, during the, the pandemic, dog. But, yeah, and, and with your big giant German Shepherd, of course. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, you are, you have an apartment in the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is generally where you have done most of your living for the last 20 some years. That's correct. And as a New Yorker, yes. um, you obviously must have some big time thoughts, uh, you know, on the MTA getting uh, this week a six billion dollar grant, the mm. largest lump sum in federal transit administration history. Mm-hmm. Just the, now, just printing money and giving it away to everybody. It really is great, isn't it? It is. We'll never pay for this in the future. <laughs> nope. Now, I, now I know you're on the uh, MTA uh, uh, board. Is that right? Yes, I sit on the board of the Metropolitan Transit Authority. So that's the subway group for people who aren't uh, aren't there. That's they they do all the you know the buses and trains. Yeah, they cover both in the uh, in the New York area. So I was wondering if you could tell us. You know, you got six billion dollars coming in. I would love to know about um, some of the things you guys are planning to use that money on. Well, uh, sure. So as many people may not know, the, the New York City's uh, subway infrastructure is tremendously dated. Yes. They are using switching systems that are over 100 years old. That's They're true. literally from the 1910s. Yes. Uh, and so, you know, a lot has happened in, in this time. And so, um, you know, we're going to phase out the all these 100 year old uh, switching systems. Mm-hmm. And and that's what, you know, how they know how to switch tracks and all this and that. Yep. And um, we're going to go, uh, you know, a more modern approach. Okay. Now we, we, we're uh, switching to a system of, of, you know, basically just yelling. <laughs> so what it is, it's a chain of people. Oh, okay. Oh, so it's a jobs program. It's a jobs program. Yeah. When you have that much money, that's all we can, we're trying to get this back into the economy. So we're hiring <laughs> as many people as we can. They're going to line the subway. Now they're okay. going to press themselves up against the wall and kind of stay out of the way of the trains. We hope. Uh-huh. Uh, and basically shout. So I might be at dispatch and I would shout, you know, all right, let's hold the C train at, uh, at 42nd street. And then you would say, hold the C train at 42nd Street. And then the mm-hmm. next person would yell and yell and yell. And it would finally make its way toward the train driver. And then at some point, somebody's going to just kind of jump in front of the train and do like a <laughs> slow down gesture. Right. <laughs> now, so this that's is actually going to speed do. up service, by the way. Yes. No, no. That's, I mean, that's part of the goal. A couple of the other things we, we, we need to do. Okay. Um, uh, we're going to have people who stand on the edge of the platform. And when a crazy homeless person pushes someone uh, toward the path of the train, they're going to push back. <laughs> so it's going to be like a game of human pong. Uh-huh. <laughs> so if some lunatic uh, starts to shove a lady, then that, 
We one of our guys is going to shove that lady back towards the lunatic, and we'll see who wins. <laughs> that seems very yes. exciting. Yes, and then we're going to have our wakers. I don't know what wakers are. Wakers are people who are equipped with pots and pans and a loud mm-hmm. Bluetooth speaker. And they're just going to walk through the train, waking up all the people who are sleeping on the seats and taking up five seats. Uh-huh. So it's just going to be more like a clang, 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 get up, clang, 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 get up, clang. And, uh, and that way they're going to free up more seating on these trains. I don't mind for that. During rush hour. Yeah. Okay. Rush hour and things like that. Now you said that, um, a lot of this money is going to go into, you know, other ways to sort of deal with the homeless uh, in in very unique ways. And, and homelessness really is a problem on the trains themselves, uh, in the tunnels, on the platforms, you know, in the waiting area. It's, there, there really are all over the place panhandlers, you know, people coming in and asking for money. Uh, what are some of the sort of innovative ways you're planning to sort of deal with the homelessness problem? One person on the subway every day mm-hmm. will be anointed. Uh, as the executioner (laughs) and they have the legal authority to kill anyone who approaches them for money Uh or who who dances in close proximity to their face. Okay. Uh, They will be issued a weapon and they will ride the subway. Uh, And that way you're instilling the fear uh, amongst these panhandlers. Uh, You know, is this the one, does this person I'm about to ask uh, to buy my dead batteries or to, for, for some money for booze? Does this person have the power to legally execute me right here on the train? Right. Maybe, maybe I'm not going to ask for money. Maybe I'm just going to sit back down. Wow. Well, I mean, first of all, that's a great idea. Um, Thank you. Again, also very entertaining. If you do manage to exercise your rights as an executioner of the day, uh, then you do get a $5,000 bonus and free counseling. (laughs) <laughs> to deal with the, the fact that you've just taken a human life. And, you know, a lot of people have issues with that. It, 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 it tends to haunt them. It bothers them. And so we do have counselors on staff uh, who will uh, guide you through that, you know, this most difficult time. Whew, man. Well, I imagine that's going to be a lot of your 6 billion right there. <laughs> yeah. The counseling is expensive. <laughs> yeah, it is. What they charge per hour. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And uh, uh, is it true that uh, each train is going nuclear? Yeah, we're going to have nuclear trains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, a small nuclear reactor pr- produces a tremendous amount of energy yeah. for the trains. That's right. And and then, you know, anybody seated uh, near the reactor will, will sense that they'll be invigorated. <laughs> <laughs> invigorated? What, what do you mean? I, that could mean so many things. Because your molecules in your body are just bouncing around like crazy all of a sudden. And you just feel, it's like you've had a jolt of coffee. Right. It doesn't go away. (laughs) That's interesting. It sounds more like radiation poisoning to me. Yeah. Well, that's what one study said it was, but we call it the magic of transit. Jack. Brian. So a lot of books are written every year. I know you know this because you've been to bookstores. You've seen that books just keep coming. I possibly know it better than anybody. And when books are written, they sometimes have books that are read. Some people don't read, Jack. They like to hear their books when they're in the car or jogging or at the gym. Yeah, that's true. So all those books need someone to read them. I've read books in the past. 
Oh, I've cool. read for audiobooks. Yeah. And now you have a chance to read <gasps> audiobooks and make some money for this podcast. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Thanks. So, uh, so it's amazing. I'd love to do this. Yeah, I'd love you to do this. So I talked to some folks at the publishing companies. They said, Brian, we love you a lot, but we don't want your voice right now. We need like kind of a, a, an every man kind of voice like Jack. And I said, not a problem. I'm going to get Jack to read it. Uh, and I just sent you a script okay. and or it's an audio book. Uh, right. So this is a, an excerpt from a biography of Helen Keller, Jack. <laughs> okay. And All right. uh, if, I just got it. I've just opened it now. Okay. And if you can read it uh, professionally, you've got a chance at being an audiobook reader person. Great. I've, I've always wanted to have that exact job title. Let me just read it ahead of time here so I don't no, mess up. No, just read it now. I need to get these auditions to them as soon as possible. Oh, uh, okay. Fine. That's no problem. Uh, okay. Just uh, then cue me when to go, please. As a biography of Helen Keller. Take it away. Okay. Hmm. In the late 1800s, it was believed that someone who was blind and deaf could not lead a normal life. They were often placed in bleak schools that were more like prisons than places to learn and grow. Talk about ableism. A cervix-having person named Annie Sullivan believed she could teach seven-year-old Helen Keller language. 1887, Helen was wild and angry. She spoke by grunting and screaming, which made her sound like a no-talent mumble rapper. Not even Helen's parents believed Annie would succeed. But unlike Hillary's presidential bid... <laughs> Annie did succeed, and news of her miracle spread far. Helen often said that she had spent her early childhood in a, quote, dungeon of silence and loneliness. Freed from this dungeon, Helen blossomed. By the age of 10, Helen was able to write and read Braille, an alphabet system inspired by pimples that people can feel on a page. By the age of 11, she could balance a vase on her head while standing on one leg. By 13, she knew how to communicate in French, which came in handy when she started menstruating. Long story. <laughs> Helen became world famous. Writer Mark Twain, inventor Alexander Graham Bell, President Grover Cleveland, and Lena Dunham's great-great-grandfather, Flabby Jim, were just a few of the people who met with her to see the miracle for themselves. Helen wasn't very good at cooking for her guests, but everyone just threw the burnt food out her window and told her that they ate it. When she got older, she went to Radcliffe College, the most selective college for birthing persons in the country. She wrote 13 books and hundreds of articles. She even learned to ride a horse and developed a passion for stomping hamsters while wearing stilettos. That's the Helen Keller they don't tell you about. In 2000, Michael Jackson purchased Helen's skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> to help him seduce sexy teens. Hmm, didn't know that. I knew he had Elephant Man. Yeah, I, I didn't realize he got Helen as well. It's he's a collector. <laughs> yeah, yeah, collector. I didn't know what he used those things for. Well, that didn't go so great. I, I, I believe you weren't as professional as they had hoped. So I, I'm worried that uh, you probably okay. didn't land that one. But I do have another one, different publisher. Uh, this okay, is no, Harper Collins. No problem. I, I agree with you that I messed that up a little bit and um, I'll, I'll fix it on this round. That's fine. This is a, a book on the history of basketball. Oh, fun. A historical book. Uh, it sounds really fascinating. You know me, I'm all into basketball and all the balls. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to hearing this one and I would love for you to be the one reading it to me. Oh, oh that's so nice. Thank you. Well, I mean, I, I could always just come over and read it to you. 
No, no, I'd, I'd rather you just do it from a distance. I, I want to be able to do it on my terms if I'm driving or or getting my nails done or something. <laughs> you know, I, I just like to listen to books on my terms. Oh, I just Oof. got it. Here we go. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, History ready. of basketball. Uh, please count me down. Three, two, one. Dribble. In the cold winter of 1891, the adult students at the Springfield YMCA training school in Massachusetts were growing restless with the boring routine of jumping jacks and weightlifting. A man named James Naismith was told uh, to come up with a new game or he would get a tally whacking, which is what folks in 1891 called a testicle clubbing with a specially crafted oak tally whacker. In the coming weeks, nothing Naismith invented worked. Kicked balls, shattered gym windows. Tackles left students' bodies bruised and bloody. Every day, old man Jenkins stopped by with his traditional oak tallywhacker and menacingly pointed it at Naismith's junk. That's mine, he'd say with a toothless smile. Days later, and mere moments before getting his tally whacked, Naismith grabbed a soccer ball from the equipment room and hammered two peach baskets to the walls. He wrote 13 rules for playing his new game. Players could not run with the ball. There would be no kicking or tackling. To score a point, a player must toss the ball into the basket. And no Jews. <laughs> the new game didn't have a name yet, but it soon would. Basketball. The first game on December 21st, 1891, didn't start smoothly. Players ran with the ball and knocked each other down. Nobody wanted to pass. And Irving Scheinbaum broke the no-shoes rule. <laughs> Damn. But the thrill of making a basket soon had the men hooked. The game spread like wildfire. Students at a nearby women's school even started to play, but were quickly imprisoned for doing man sports when they should have been at home making babies. Basketball quickly became a sensation. Colleges like Yale and the University of Iowa began playing regular games. By 1936, the sport became an Olympic event. Ten years later, professional, professional basketball began. The National Basketball Association soon followed. Now it's a multi-billion dollar enterprise that sucks at China's teat. <laughs> it's too bad about Kobe. <laughs> the helicopter and the other thing. <laughs> Shucks. <laughs> Strange. What's the other yeah, That's thing? the history of basketball. It's, it's weird that they, in the, the one page history of basketball that they sent over, they were managed uh, to allude to Kobe Bryant's rape. <laughs> huh. Weird. It's amazing that, that Springfield, Massachusetts, that's not far from here. Basketball was invented not far from me. Absolutely. It's got to be really exciting for you. Not really. I'm not into basketball. <laughs> yeah, I know you're not. But you are into getting your tally whacked. Yeah, tally whacking is a thing. Yeah. Who doesn't Oof, love a good okay. tally whacking? Uh, all right. <laughs> that didn't happen, but I'm going to send you a third uh, script. Uh, this is this has got a lot of potential. It's It's Penguin. Uh, it is a is a is a, uh, a fantasy novel. Okay. Yeah, Ring Quest is the is the title of the book, and it's a trilogy. So oh, if you fun. get if you get the Ring Quest trilogy, you're getting three books to read, three audio books. Oh boy, three paychecks. So the three paychecks, and you'll be known as the fantasy audio guy. And maybe you'll get all the fantasy books. Okay, that could make a living. I, that could you know close out the final twenty years of my career. There you go. Kind of like in the vein of uh, Lord of the Rings, I think. Oh, very exciting. Uh, I love those books. Hobbit. And I, I, I just got it, so I'm, uh, okay. I'm all ready. Tell me when you're ready for me to begin. I'm ready for you to begin. Okay, here we go. Mm. Ring quest. Ring quest. 
Glorbo the dwarf emerged from the mine shaft looking battered and bruised. His shield had several arrows and a sword stuck in it. In his right hand was his trusty battle axe, Demon Schlong. <laughs> Judging from the green blood on the blade, he had recently made good use of it. I ran into a party of orcs down there, he said gruffly. They won't be bothering anyone anymore. He grinned and tugged at a necklace he'd fashioned from some string he'd adorned with several orc ears. Benji the elf smiled. Well then, if the mine shaft is clear, then we have our back door entrance to the dragon's lair. We're one step closer to retrieving the ring of power from that nasty old lizard. Suddenly, the winds began to blow. The trees rustled violently, and from the darkness of the forest came an unmistakable wail. Banshee! yelled Benji. Glorbo turned to face the forest and raised his axe. As Wendy the wizard began chanting an incantation, the terrifying sight of a banshee appeared from the pitch dark of the woods. Its eyes a piercing red and its wailing chilling to the depths of the soul. And also some side boob. <laughs> Wendy the wizard clapped her hands and said the magic phrase, wiggity, wiggity, whack. A ball of light appeared in her hands and she threw it at the banshee, hitting it right in the abdomen. The banshee shrieked as the light engulfed her. Was that a fireball? asked Benji. No, said Wendy. Irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> Huh. So we had to defeat a banshee, I guess. I, I guess. <sighs> Too bad. You know, the side, you know, because I was really invested in the, in the side boob characters. A banshee with side boob. I just, yeah, I'm trying to picture it. It sounds scary. Well, I, no, I thought the wizard lady had the side boob. That's the magic of fantasy. It's really what you want it to be. To, in, in my mind, they all have just a big sack of side boob. Wendy the Wizard. Wendy the Wizard. <laughs> it's really bad fantasy name. It's not as, it's not like, yeah, you, you have names like Saruman or Gandalf, yeah. and that just yeah. really sounds like a wizard. Wendy doesn't sound like a wizard. No, it doesn't. All right, well, we don't have to worry about it, I guess. Okay, I can hear you're disappointed, and I'm sorry. Those are difficult to get through. I know you can do it, but I have trouble. I was just, you know, I was hoping to, you know, land you some uh, audiobook work, but you never, you know, next time. Uh, yeah. Maybe they'll be back. Yeah, maybe next time. Well, Brian, I guess that uh, brings to close another episode of Questionable Material. It really does. It, you know, it really does. Is there anything you would like uh, people to know or to do? Yeah, just, yeah, you know, review, listen, tell, tell every single person you know uh, about podcast. I like what you're saying. Go through your contacts and just email blast everyone you know. Yep. Not even an email blast because that can be ignored. I, I think you got to get on your phone and you got to do some phone calling. I would make, yeah, I would be, it's like, imagine you're working for like a, a politician you like. Oof, hard to imagine. But yeah, I can't believe that either. That was Questionable Material with Jack and Brian. Subscribe on any podcast platform. Watch our clips on YouTube. Visit us at qmpodcast.com. 